Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast by Lifeway. I'm Ben Trueblood. With me is producer Nathan. What's up? How's it going? Good, man. We have uh, we have been on the road. I have. Have seen several uh, people at Youth Pastor Summit mm-hmm. and and all of those kinds of things. Thank you for coming up and saying, "Hey, we listen to the podcast." All that is really meaningful to us. We are always overjoyed to hear that people listen and it helps them in ministry. So uh, come up and say, Hey, if we're at places and then uh, we have, we were just talking right before we pressed record Nathan. Mm -hmm. It has, we're at like six weeks in a row of Monday, Tuesday travel. Yeah. It's been, uh, it's been fun. It's been a lot of planes and cars, no trains. So (laughs) planes and automobiles, but yeah, it's been fun. It's been good. One more week to go. Local travel Nashville, but it is a busy week with experience. So it feels like travel anyway. It does. Uh, it does for sure. Did So I want to, we're going to introduce our guest in just a minute, uh, who's amazing. And I'm excited about this conversation today. Uh, well, I want to actually, we're going to go ahead and do it now because I think our guest might have some input into the question I'm about to ask you. So I'm going to press pause. Uh, and we're going to say we're super excited to have Zach Wyatt here today. Let me tell you a little bit about Zach. Uh, served as the director of the Youth Leader Collective since 2016, uh, still leading that initiative where he is active in connecting, coaching, and caring for youth leaders. His passion is to encourage youth leaders, create spaces for leaders to be in community and authentic relationships. Prior to serving with Youth Leader Collective, he served in student ministry for 16 years, and also currently serves as the interim pastor at First Baptist Church, Fort Oglethorpe. That one's tough to say. Mm. Uh, I read this prior to, uh, to, to saying it and, uh, First Baptist Church, Fort Oglethorpe. You gotta, you gotta take your time on that one. He and his wife, April, have been married since 2003, have two sons, Noah and Eli, and they live in the great city of Chattanooga. Zach, we're super pumped that you're uh, that you're here with us today. Oh, I'm I'm excited to be here, and, and I've learned as I've gotten into the community. We just say First Baptist Fort O. They just make it a little bit easier. First Baptist Fort O. Oh, I like yeah. that. Yeah, they uh, Oglethorpe. Um, it doesn't necessarily roll off the tongue. It, well, here it's not. Here's the question I was going to, I was going to, well, the topic I was going to bring up with Nathan. And I wanted you in on this because I feel like you're a person who might have food opinions. Uh, and so Nathan, I was going to bring up that you, you had some things at our trip last week in the Chicago area mm-hmm. that you were very excited about. Yeah. Well, uh, a little bit of Portillo's, the little uh, beef sandwich there, their cake shake, definitely very good. little Giordino's pizza, if I said that right. Sorry if I didn't, but that was <laughs> also know. very tasty. I think I've said that word a different yeah, way right. every time. So, <laughs> so Portillo's, uh, Zach, have you had any of the, have you had Portillo's? I've had all before? the above, everything you just mentioned every time. Yes. <laughs> all right. Okay. So that we're, I'm glad that we we did it this way. Uh, the beef sandwich was great. I really enjoyed that. I was unfamiliar with the cake shake until Nathan. Have you had the cake oh, shake? Before? Sorry, I have not had the cake shake. That's new to me. I apologize. Mm-hmm. I've had Portillo's the beef, but yeah, gotta go it, cake uh, shake. <laughs> it is 
exactly what it sounds like. So they take a piece of chocolate cake. I think it's a whole piece. It's a good amount. Uh, and they just blend up the piece of chocolate cake into the milkshake. Into a chocolate malt milkshake. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go good. It, it, the person at the register, we asked, uh, and they were like, well, if you like, this is how they sold it. Nathan, you were back at the table when we ordered ours. Mm-hmm. The person at the register sold it as well. If you like really wet bread. <laughs> And I was like, well, I guess I do. I, I'll order it. So God, the cake shake is amazing. That was such what? a disgrace to the cake shake to describe it that way. It felt weird. That's a very <laughs> Chicago way of selling things. That's not, that's no, not how true. they would have sold it here in the South. <laughs> no. no. So what was your opinion on the beef sandwich, Zach? Is it something oh, that you would go back for? I, I didn't know what to expect because I didn't, you know, there's been shows made about how to make these things. And it's a big, it's a viral thing now. When I had it, I it, it blew me away. I, I loved it. Oh yeah, it's a uh, it's very good. So I also you've had Giordano's, right? Oh yeah. Uh, have you also had Lou Malnati's? Yes, I have had Lou Malnati's, and there's another one that's a big one up there. It might, the name escapes me. Another deep dish. That's okay. G- Gino's or is it Gino's? G- it may be Gino's. Yeah, I can't remember. But that, yes. Uh, do you have a preference between Lou's and Giordano's? I've had a whole lot more Giordano's just because they're kind of ubiquitous around the country. Yeah. Um, I've only had Lou Malnati's one time. And honestly, uh, I don't remember which one still got to me. Yeah. So you can't, that's what we were saying this week. You kind of have to have them back to back to really be able to discover. I will say, from what I remember, uh, I had Lou Malnati's a year ago. From what I remember to what I had just yesterday, or when was it? Monday. Monday. I like Lou Malnati's better. Personal preferences, but I, I feel like that's my that's where I would rank them. From what I remember of a year ago. I like it. Nathan, you like Giordano's better. I did. Yeah, I'd be the opposite. Giordano's than Luminati's for me. Well, thus concludes our pizza conversation. um, You really can't go wrong. I mean, ultimately, we we win. I mean, ultimately, because. That's true. Yeah. That's the way I see it. That's absolutely true. Do you have a favorite kind of pizza, Zach? I mean, you've been a youth ministry guy for a long time. (laughs) Uh, the best pizza I've ever had, actually, and I don't want to be, you know, victim to the, the latest thing that I had, but my family went to New York and we went to one of these, uh, we went to this place called John's of Bleecker Street and it's, it's one of these iconic places in New York. We went there over spring break and it was the best pizza I think I've ever had. I mean, just the crust, the cheese, really? everything. It was, it was so good. Yeah. It's, it's small, tiny Man. place, but it was fantastic. I went to a pizza place in New York one time and I made a similar statement and I still think it's one of the best I've ever had. I, for the life of me, I cannot remember the name of it, but it was in a church. Like it was an old church building that they converted to a pizza place, uh, stained glass windows and everything. And I don't remember what it was called. 
Uh, so if somebody, if you're listening to this and you're familiar with New York and you know what I'm talking about, let us know on social, but I, I don't can't remember the name. Hmm. Nathan, New York pizza, yeah. Chicago pizza, Detroit. What is your, Ooh, I like a oh, man. The, I do like a Detroit with all that thick crust. Uh, that's good. I don't know though. There's nothing quite like a slice of New York pizza from New York city. I had it at a place way up, like way up the numbers of the avenues or whatever. I don't know. Just this hole in the wall. And it was fantastic. So I think it's the slightly polluted water. It makes the best bagels like it. They say their their slightly polluted water makes some incredible bagels. And I would agree with that. So maybe pizza crust as well. You're on to it. Maybe so. (laughs) Well, Zach, you uh, 16 years of youth ministry, now interim pastor at at uh, Fort O First Baptist Church. What is that like? Like, give us a give us a comparison here. Mm. Well, there's conflict in both. I'll tell you that. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's uh, it's still always about relationships. It's still always about um, you know being faithful to God's word without sounding cliche and, and loving people. And so, yeah, it's been good. I've been serving as the interim here for a little over three months, and, and just enjoying that role. So, yeah, that's good, man. Is that a church that uh, it's obviously in your area, mm-hmm. but? Is that a church that you were familiar with before or yeah, yeah. you said, Hey, I want to come help you out. How did, how did it all happen? Yeah. So I, with what I do with serving youth pastors, uh, where Chattanooga is, we're right on the state line of Tennessee and North, and North Georgia there. So we, uh, we do, I serve youth pastors in North Georgia and I was had a good relationship with the youth pastor there. And he told me about the situation, uh, their pastor stepping out. And so I talked to their search team and was able to, uh, walk through their process and I was able to step in and serve them until they get a full-time pastor. Is that, uh, did they give you a timeline of like, Hey, we're, we're hoping to have, or is it, is it, has it become indefinite? <laughs> it's the, it's the indefinite. They hope to have somebody in place by the fall, but you know how it goes. Uh, yeah, this is your, it's your typical. Yeah. Baptist church. And, uh, so just enjoying it. And I tell you the best thing about it is being back in the trenches of, of, of ministry because uh, every day I sit across the table from a youth pastor and, and it's been seven, eight years since I've been in the, in that role. Mm. And so yeah. to be able to be back in the trenches and, and just know the ins and outs of, of, uh, of ministry again, is it's been especially been encouraging. So when you, that's a good, that puts, gives us a little bit of a timeline. So in 2016, when you started leading the youth, uh, youth leader collective mm-hmm. there and the youth leader collective is, uh, well, you can define it, but I was going to say it is a regional gathering networking of youth pastors for relationship, coaching, leadership for them, for their volunteers, everything accurate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. You know, as it said in the tagline, connecting, coaching, and caring for youth pastors, we want to, um, as you guys know this so much, you're, you're, you're out serving youth pastors. Uh, a lot of part of what this podcast is, I, youth pastors so often are isolated. They're, they're put down in the basement of, of, of the churches, and they can have their head down. They can be serving, but there's so much pressure and expectation on youth pastors, whether that pressure is coming from the pastor, from the deacons, from their parents, from the students, from internally, from that little old lady on the front row who thinks it's their job to change their, to clean their gutters out. Uh, there's all these expectations on them. And so a lot of times they can just, they can get isolated. 
and churches will hire them to, uh, hey, you 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 build the the student ministry up, but also we have no young families. It, they put that pressure on them, and they can get isolated. And so that's kind of our role. We see it to come alongside them. How do we how do we create some relationships, form some relationships with them, and and and, and see the value of networking, building these collectives. And so we have we have four area net, uh, networks. We have two in Chattanooga and two in North Georgia to help create some community around them. And then just about every day, I'm sitting across the table from a youth pastor just to try and be a safe place for them, uh, just to hear their story, kind of speak into whatever they're walking through. Yeah, that's awesome. So when you, in 2016, when you stepped in to uh, be the director of Youth Leader Collective, that was a, you were a youth pastor, mm-hmm. stepped out of that role and into the director role, correct? Yes. So that that's, okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, to so, give you a little bit of history, this ministry actually has been going on for 20 plus years by that point. So our executive director, Tony Souter, he was a mentor of mine. So when I was in youth ministry for 16 years, he was what I get to serve, how I get to serve youth pastors now, he was doing for me. He was doing the area networks. Mm-hmm. And my last year of ministry was a really tough season. I lost my father. Uh, our church was going through effectively a church split. And uh, I would just reach out to Tony, not looking for a job, but I was looking, I was reaching out to Tony Souter, who's our executive director. I saying, hey, Tony, I, I just need some wisdom. How can I navigate through this season? Uh, just grieving my father, the loss of my father. And Tony was just incredible for me. Well, I, what I didn't realize at the time, but Tony was starting another ministry. Tony was um, uh, another ministry that was going to be an offshoot of what we were doing called the Pray For Me campaign, which helps create intergenerational relationships in churches. And what I didn't know was God was taking that really in a national uh, to a, a national direction. And that was taking him away from serving youth pastors locally. So in 2015, we started talking about what would that look like for me to transition into this role. And I already had a heartbeat for partnering together for networking and uh, ended up being, we thought, let's do this a trial for a couple of years. And well, here we are seven years later. It's, it's been a good fit. <laughs> That's great, man. <clears throat> what if, what are some things that you, uh, you've learned along the way? So you, you've served in student ministry for 16 years before jumping into this role. What did you learn when you started to get a more macro or mm. a, a higher level view of student ministry across a region versus just head down in your own place doing student ministry? Certainly there are other relationships that you have outside of that. But when you similar to Lifeway students, yeah. when there's you have a different kind of view of the student ministry landscape and what. What did you see when you first stepped into that role? That's good. I, for me, it was a lot of times when you sit down across the table from someone and what they say is their problem, it's usually that felt need of, man, I need more volunteers. Or, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm having conflict with uh, this individual or whatever. We start to pull back the layers. What I love to do is, is deal with a, a more whole, and, I, and this isn't original to me, uh, but just from mentor, other mentors in my life is what we call the uh, the three-legged stool of a lot of times I just want to deal with one leg of the stool, which is all the strategic ministry stuff. Like if I can just fix yeah. all the things that I, all these external pressures are, but the other two legs of the stool are my family life and my personal walk with the Lord. And I think that a lot of times, especially the external pressures, people just think everything's okay with me, with me and my spouse, or everything's okay with me and my kids, or 
everything's okay with me and my personal walk with the Lord. And all they care about is this strategic ministry piece, which is, again, not original to me, but we'll call it noses, nickels, and noise. How many noses are in the seats? How many nickels are in the budget? And how much noise, how much hype am I creating in my ministry? And that's what everyone focuses on. So that's where, that's the problems that I'm coming to, to Zach about, or to Tony about, or to Ben or Nathan about uh, at Lifeway, because that's what I need fixed. But peeling back those layers and realizing, okay, what, hey, let's, let's talk about identity stuff. Let's talk about, hey, how's your time with Jesus? Um, how are you dealing there? Or how's your time with your family? Um, and then you start to realize, oh, you know what? I'm not getting any time off. Um, hmm. uh, there is no time with the Lord. Uh, I don't see my kids. All those things, you get to deal with those. So dealing with those three, that three leg, what we call the three-legged stool has been one of the more helpful handholds we've been able to give youth pastors. Yeah. Is there a moment where the light kind of comes mm-hmm. on for them that you, that you see that's like, Hey man, if you, if you solve the strategy problem, mm-hmm. it's not going to fix everything because there, there's all this stuff, stuff going on over here too. That's in the personal life. Mm-hmm that uh what's it like when you see somebody really connect with that and realize like oh i'm trying to hide all the personal stuff in the effort to fix all the strategy stuff mm. yeah i'm trying to think of like an individual story of mm. when i've seen youth pastors really get to that level of authenticity and vulnerability that you know, we, we want that so much for the people we're serving. We want that for our families. We want that for our students. Um, you know, we want that, you know, one of your, one of your own colleagues, Zach work. And I remember just hearing him in a session lately, he said, you know, for our own students, they have a hard time with vulnerability. And then, you know, we asked them, Hey, jump in a small group and, you know, tell me your whole life story, get, you know, get deep with me. And it's, it's hard for them. I think it's hard for youth pastors to get there and yeah. and it's hard for them to uh, just again, because of all those, those expectations and pressures to say, okay, I'm going to be vulnerable. I had, I had a youth pastor uh, every month I would invite him to our monthly network and every month he would either just not respond or just say, Hey, I can't make it. And then one month finally he said, Hey, I'm going to be there. And, I, but I'm going to tell you, I don't want to be, I don't want to be there because mm-hmm. I'm afraid I'm going to be found out. And he was just honest with me. He said, I'm afraid I'm going to be found out. And I think that insecurity that we all deal with, we all, we all are insecure. Yeah. He said, I'm afraid that I'm going to be found out. And I just, I, I said, Hey, I'm so thankful that you were honest with me. I'm so thankful that because I struggle with it too. And he is, he's actually kind of led the way over these last couple of years of uh, hosting networks, uh, kind of caring for other leaders. So talk about that light coming on, just seeing that light come on him was really encouraging. Man, we were uh, in one of these, I forget, I forget which youth pastor summit stop it was, but somebody came up to I do a session about real friendships mm-hmm. and at, at this round of, of youth pastor summit events. And somebody came up to me afterwards and had just talked about how they had served 
with a pastor who was a mentor of theirs and was very, this person was very respectful, uh, very complimentary of their mentor. But one of the things, you know, mentors don't get everything right. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important. Like there are still some things that can, they can be a great mentor and miss it on a couple of things. And this youth pastor talked about how this pastor who was a mentor to them talked about how you can't be vulnerable with people uh, because it can be used against you mm-hmm. because there's the things that people in your church, like you need to protect yourself in that way. And so to an extent, I, I think I can logically get to where this pastor was going, but I think we have a generation of pastors or leaders who lived their lives that way who said, I, I have to protect myself maybe because of hurt or because they were, you know, somebody did use their vulnerability as a weapon on them in a previous church, or they heard stories about it happening somewhere, whatever reason, I have to wall myself off from people as a pastor because that protects me. And I think there was a generation of people that lived that way that passed that mentality down. And I think that's part of the reason why I, and part of the reason why we are in so many conversations with youth pastors, like you just articulated, helping them. It's almost like helping them unwind the logic that has been placed in them from previous generations. And again, that doesn't mean that those people were bad people, right? It just means that something happened in their life that caused them to behave this certain way. And that behavior has been passed on generationally among pastoral leadership. I know it was for me. Uh, there was a walled off. You can't be as real as you as you are, that there has to be this put together kind of thing. And I think we have a generation of youth pastors that are pushing back against that. And I think we have a generation of youth pastors who are trying to figure out why it doesn't feel right. And, and it's helping them unwind and untangle, I think, some things that are there. No, that's, that's, you hit it right there on the head. Like I'm talking to youth pastors who will get hired by a church and a pastor will say things like, you know, you and I are not supposed to be friends. You and I are not supposed to be real with one another. And it creates that culture where there's no vulnerability at all. And, and it, and it is, it creates that tension of, well, am I not supposed to create, you know, authenticity within our youth ministry or within our family ministry? What does that look like? And, and it probably goes back to, well, the pastor's been hurt before or the, that's how the pastor was taught. And it, it just, what, what kind of create? And again, I go back to, I understand that logic. I understand where they're coming from. And, uh, and, and there does need to be boundaries set up. Uh, you know, I, I get that. And so that's why I think, you know, within a, a body of, okay, finding another youth pastor, finding another, finding friends to say, okay, Hey, to about being known, who knows you and, yeah. and, and who do you know? So I think it's just so important. So I want to ask you this question because it's a conversation that I've had with a lot of people too. What about the person who's a youth ministry leader, a youth pastor who says, 
I have the vulnerability and mm. I have that relation. It, it's with my spouse. Mm. Mm. What would you say to them uh, as to when they say that to you? It's, well, I don't need anyone else. I have my spouse. Mm. How do you how do you respond to that? I know you've had to have had that conversation before. Um, very rarely, but yes. And I would say, I would say, man, that's that's fantastic. If you and your spouse are very open with one another, but we all need people that are outside of that relationship. I mean, we see that we see it all in scripture. I mean, you see the relationship that Paul had with Barnabas, or that Paul obviously had with a mentor relationship with Timothy. We all we see these types of relationships, and so I would I would just heavily encourage them. And, and I guess I would want to find out why they're saying this too. Uh, are they just trying to close themselves off to more relationships or are they, are they being genuine? Um, you know, uh, is this a, I really just don't want to pursue other relationships so much, so much times personality kind of dictates that, but, or are they, yeah. are they being genuine that that is just their, um, that is their accountability partner or that is their, their community. So you guys have been doing this for a long time. I think you said nearly 25 years. Yeah, in yeah, the, yeah 29 years total. Okay. So it is, uh, it's in the culture of Chattanooga, North Georgia youth ministry that the youth leader collective is there, that people are a part of it. I'm guessing a new youth pastor moves into town and you're reaching out to them. Somebody from the team, somebody from one of the networks is like, Hey, welcome to Fort Oglethorpe. This is what we do. Come be a part of, come be a part of this. Um, was there a turning point that you remember that flipped it from being, yeah, there are a few people that get together in this area to, youth pastors saying, no, this is what we do together, mm. that it, that it really became something that was more than just, yeah, some of us get together and have coffee once a month to this is a organized, we are together. There's unity that exists. There's, there's common goal, common language. Do you remember or, or know of the turning point that happened that made that flip? Well, I appreciate you asking that question. Cause I, it, it made me think about something happened. So like, as I said, we have, we have two in North Georgia and every one of our networks is very different. Uh, they have different identities. They're in different types of communities. Well, one of them that's in North Georgia is in uh, Dalton, uh, Dalton and Chatsworth. And we had launched that in about a year after we were there, it was actually a middle school pastor that took his own life. And he was very active within our network and I mean, it caught us all. This was back in 2017. Wow. Caught us all by surprise. I mean, you could just imagine how, I mean, his church, the community, uh, his fiance, he was engaged. Uh, it was just, it rocked the community, rocked all of us. But I saw those youth pastors just begin to love one another, come together, serve that church, serve uh, one another in a way that just, uh, I, I, and I, I felt like an outsider in some ways. I, it, just, it just wasn't about me. And that even to this day, I mean, even through COVID and everything that, that community has been very, very strong. And so that was just an amazing thing to see. 
Uh, I could say something about another one of our, our groups that we don't have a huge monthly network, but I see these churches partnering together to do um, school outreaches, to do um, quarterly worship groups. They, they love one another. It's a bunch of young youth pastors that love one another. And I think a lot of times young youth pastors, they're like, ah, I got this. I'm going to do this on my own. But they love one another. And so that's been exciting to see as well and just see the light bulb go off for them. Yeah. Of course, you you mentioned Zach working earlier. Mm. Uh, I know you guys are tight, and um, of course, we have he, him and Chad started Youth Ministry Booster with a lot of the same DNA yeah. that you would say is in the Youth Leader Collective and helping youth pastors join together to collaborate, to care for them, to receive coaching. All, the relationship piece of it is is there, uh, and. and and so it's it's cool that it seems like more people are latching on to youth pastors need relationships. One of the things that we say a lot is every youth pastor should have someone who knows their context but isn't in their context mm, it's good. as a platform and, and space for availability and vulnerability and those kind of things. Somebody that speaks youth pastor language knows what you're dealing with but that you don't have to lead at a volunteer meeting or <laughs> something, mm-hmm. something like that uh, for somebody that's listening who, uh, who wants, who wants this, who's like, man, I have a vision and a desire to see something like Zach is describing of youth leader collective in my town, in my region. What would you say to them? You've been around it for a long time. You came up and was were mentored through it, now leading it. What would you say to them if they have a vision to see something like this happen in their region? Yeah. And a lot of times you'll, you'll hear about, oh, man, there's networks already going where there's 15, 20 guys that get together monthly or weekly. Man, how do I get that started up next week? And I would say start small. I would say – if you, if you know for sure there's nothing already happening, uh, find out who are the, you know, use this term gatekeepers in your town, um, guys that have been in ministry for a while, could be pastors, uh, associate pastors, youth pastors, and say, hey, do you know of anything that's happening right now? Um, any gatherings for youth pastors? And if there's not, just ask somebody, say, hey, I'd love to take you to coffee. And just asking one or two people and just start small. And let's say we're going to go once every month. Maybe you want to go more often than that, but. And we're just going to come together. And I just want to pray with you, pray for you, pray for your ministry. And that's that's what we do. We eat a meal together. We pray together. I usually actually will send out an article to try and create some conversation as well. But it's more about we tell people we want something for you, not front of you. And a lot of times people can have their um, uh, guard up if they think, oh, they're coming. They're coming for me for something. So yeah. it's just about you know, pursuing just one or two people to build a relationship with, to uh, let them know you want something uh, for them rather than from them. And then just starting small, praying together um, and then finding out, okay, what, what are some of the needs that they may have? Do they, is there something my church can do for them? Uh, Can we bring our students to one of their gatherings? Uh, Something like that, letting them know we're on their side. You know, I heard Jay Strack say a long time ago, don't ask somebody to push your wheelbarrow up your hill until you're willing to push theirs up theirs. And just those kind of that kind of mentality. Yeah. 
Have you been able to see uh, long-term effects from mm. from Youth Leader Collective being in the region for so many years? Is have you been able to see like man, youth pastors tend to to come and stay, and they they stay in this region, and they some of them become pastors in this region, and it just does it does it affect that at all? Have you seen anything that would lead you to believe that? Yeah, I mean, I could give you some anecdotal stories and, and I, I can yeah. and you know there's some research that national network of youth ministry uh, i'm sure you're familiar with those guys that and they they did some research a number of years ago that, that the tenure for a youth pastor if he is an active part of a network meaning he attends regularly it actually his his tenure can triple um because of because of relationship uh so there's yeah. there's those statistics but i've seen stories of uh, we had one guy who his wife uh, took a job in South Georgia, and he, he, he'll, he'll tell you, he says, the hardest thing for me to leave was this network. He was in North Georgia. Mm. The hardest thing for me to leave was not my church. It was this group of youth pastors who prayed for me, cared for me, walked with me through a hard season of our child uh, having some health issues. And he went to South Georgia and now started his own group of network of youth pastors. So those kinds of That's things awesome. are just super encouraging. Yeah. Well, uh, youth pastors that are listening to this, I want to encourage you, if you're in North Georgia, uh, southeastern Tennessee, Chattanooga area, Zach Wyatt is your guy. In just a second, we'll give, uh, I want him to be able to give Zach ways that people can connect with uh, Youth Leader Collective and all that. I know you guys do a conference in the uh, beginning of the fall as well for volunteer leaders and things like that. So I want you to be able to talk about those things. If you don't live in that area, you just want to pick someone's brain about how to start one. I know Zach would love to talk to you about that. Uh, I also would mention Youth Ministry Booster as an option to you. If you live in a place that does not have a well-defined and working network, we have uh, about 500 people as a part of Youth Ministry Booster that are doing this exact same thing, meeting together, learning together, collaborating, and uh, caring for each other. So good stuff's happening. Zach, I do uh, want to carve out a little time for you to tell people about uh, the conference that you guys do, what it's all about, and then how people can get connected more with you and what you guys have going on. Thanks, man. Yeah, we we started a conference called uh, Southeast Youth Leaders Conference, and there's so many great um, conferences out there, uh, whether it's Youth Pastor Summit, uh, Conclave, uh, Orange. There's just a lot of great things. And we, we didn't want to reproduce, uh, recreate the will. And so we do a conference in August of uh, each year, on Saturday, August uh, 26th this year, where we bring in high-quality people. But our focus is not just on those full-time youth pastors, but also on those bivocational part-time and volunteer youth leaders. We want to do something that's going to be able to serve them. And so we do an all-day Saturday conference. Uh, this year, our, our keynote speaker is Brent Crow. Uh, and then we do 22 different breakout sessions to choose from. So uh, there'll be three different breakout slots. There'll be 22 sl- uh, breakouts over those, those three slots. Uh, and you'll have people like Zach Workin and Chad Higgins and Amanda Mejias from Lifeway leading breakouts. And then just a whole host of other people uh, from uh, just various experts on different issues. So it's going to be a quality conference, but the cost is $33 for the whole day. And you get breakfast, you get lunch, we get you get a gift. Uh, we just really try to bless people that whole day. And then there's discounts for groups as well. And you can find that information at the SYLC.com, the SYLC.com. 
Cool. And if people want to connect with you directly. Yeah. So, on, yeah, yeah. So, on this kind of stuff. Right. Our website's youthleadercollective.com. You can connect with me at Zach at youthleadercollective.com. And uh, I'm on Instagram and Facebook and all that. And uh, so, yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity there, Ben. Yeah, no doubt. Well, man, uh, I, I want to, uh, before we leave, I always like to take a little bit of time and uh, give people a peek into someone's life as well as what they, what they do for a living or their ministry that they're a part of or lead. Um, what are some, what's, what do you like to do? Mm. So you and, and, and your wife, when you're not sitting across the table from a youth pastor, getting ready to, to, to do stuff at the church, uh, what do you guys enjoy doing? Well, we have, um, uh, we have two boys, 17 and 12 and our 17 year olds getting ready to graduate. And he's a soccer player. So right now, what we love to do is watch a lot of soccer and get to plan for <laughs> high school graduation. So, um, there you go. and it's fun. I mean, he's just like it, right now he's kind of the center of everything just with graduation and everything. His name, his name's Noah. And he's made us, he's, he's an awesome, awesome kid. Both of our boys are great. We adopted our youngest son. And we love both of our boys are they're fantastic. Uh, other than, uh, kids, I love to barbecue. I was talking with Nathan about barbecue earlier and uh, I love to I love to smoke meats. So Zach work and the other ZW we have that in common, and so uh, yeah. so love to love to smoke meats. And uh, but yeah, yeah, I'm a big sports guy, huge Tennessee fan. Um, so which comes with the territory around here. <laughs> that that it does, yeah. well, man. You uh, you are walking through what I am one year away from okay. with my oldest boy. Mm. Uh, so I wonder, like you you watched. A lot of students walk across the stage in your 16 years as a youth pastor. Um, and now you're about to walk, you'll watch your own. What has struck you as different from the parenting side of a graduate that was different from seeing all those former students walk across the stage? Mm. I, <laughs> I go back. What would I say to myself and all those like, those graduation Sundays, those, those parent nights, yes, all those yes. things. And I think, man, I, I wasn't even a parent of a teenager, much less, you know, sometimes some, I started an youth ministry, I wasn't even a parent and I feel so clueless. And uh, how, how did parents trust me even, um, you know, I have to, I, some of them probably didn't so, and that's, that's okay. okay. <laughs> you know, I, to realize these parents love these kids and they're investing in these kids far more than you do. And, uh, yeah. they, they do. And, you know, just because they take them to a, uh, they leave them out for practice on a Wednesday night doesn't mean that, you know, they don't care about their kid's spiritual life. And so, you know, mm. when we talk about figuring out how to partner with them or come alongside them, uh, let's not give lip service to that. Let's figure out how, okay, what does it mean to truly love them where they're at and meet them where they're at, uh, in life? So, um, we've been, we've been fortunate, but with our son, but, yeah. Anyways, I could talk about that Man. for a long time. So that's really the, that phrase that you just used, I think is so wise for, for student pastors to understand is just because they pull them out for a practice some Wednesday night doesn't mean they don't care about their spiritual life. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a wrong assumption that I made early on my early student ministry years is that, 
parents, if you care about their spiritual life, then you'll do whatever you can to have them at church and you'll not leave them out at practice and you won't travel for this game and tournament. And that kind of mindset really did more damage than good for me, uh, in the place where I was serving. Um, and it's, it's wrong. Now, some don't care, but to label it entirely as if you're at a practice, that means you don't care about mm-hmm. your kid's spiritual life is just a wrong understanding. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm glad you said that. It is, it's, it is a lesson I had to learn, Same. uh, coming up through student, student ministry. And it's one I, I often, Nathan's probably heard me talk about it a billion times because he's, he's with me in a lot of places, but that's one of those lessons that, I had to learn the hard way. Well, I've, you know, I've listened to Chad Higgins, you know, talk about this. I've loved his approach. That's why he's talking about it at our conference because I appreciate that approach. It's a truly, we talk about partnering with parents. It's not just, Hey, you come and do what we do. It's, Hey, how can we meet you where you're at? How can we love you and care for you and your kids and meet you where you're at? I love that approach. Yeah, for sure. Well, Zach, thank you for giving the time. I really appreciate it. And man, we wish you well at Youth Leader Collective. And I know our people and our two organizations get to get to partner together on some things. And man, I'm I'm grateful for that as well. Uh, same here, Ben, Nathan. So grateful for you guys and your ministry uh, to youth pastors. All right. This has been another episode of the Student Ministry Podcast by LifeWay. We'll see you next time.